and knew you were the person to um, have so much conversation with. Like I said, I've never had it. I don't care if we affect your skill set, but we are guaranteed to touch your mindset. And, and to tell me that's common knowledge. Well, common ain't common if I don't know. And when you drink from too many cups, you get germs. That is what happens when grown people have conversations that start off with good intentions. The selfishness of it, the greed of it all. You bring the smoke, I got the extinguisher. It's all good. <laughs>
also do digital memberships, coaching. We, you know, I, I myself am a keynote speaker. We do um, consulting for big beauty brands. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we do, and we actually do a little racial therapy. So we do a lot of things to help in a multi-pronged fashion for the industry to evolve and to just elevate as a whole. And the theme that. is around diversity and inclusion. It's around us, you know, creating spaces where everyone feels seen and everyone feels loved and heard. I love it. Well, no, I was just going to say, I love it. It's a really important conversation. And it, I love that you have multiple, like you said, a multi-pronged approach to it. There's lots of aspects. That's great. And I, Erica and I were scrolling your Instagram earlier and a post stuck out to both of us mm -hmm. that is like really like tugging on my heart right now. And it was at a summit where you were speaking about um, privilege and posturing your privilege and really taking a look at it and seeing that we have the option to be inclusive or not to be inclusive. And that that in itself is a privilege. Exactly. Yeah. And it that's really sticking out to us. So Very eloquently put. And, you know, it can be like maybe one of those hard truths that people don't want to swallow or maybe don't even realize they need to. Um, but I just really appreciated the way that you put it. It was direct and to the point and truthful and honest and something for people to think about. Mm -hmm. And I would kind of like to start off just by, t like, expanding on that for us, for us that have the privilege. Thank y'all for even just, you know, I mean, y'all just went straight into the deep end, didn't you? Like, we normally don't get to that part for a little minute once we've massaged the soul a little bit, but. Listen, that's how we do it here. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, so we go in there early. Oh, yeah. Go in. Let's go. Well, you know, see, here's the thing about privilege. Privilege is one of those things that you can't see, touch, smell, put your hands on it. It's not tangible. And so I think that's the reason why a lot of, you know, non-Black folk have a real issue with accepting that, that notion that there is something helping, pushing, supporting, elevating, they, because they don't see the the opposite, which is the resistance, the barriers, and it and it's hard. It's a concept that people look at and they reject off top because they think somehow it's minimizing their work or the efforts that they've put in to be successful on their own. And so uh, the biggest objection would be, well, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth, and I wasn't rich, and I've had my fair share of. And to that, I would say you probably have, but to, to your own doing and your own demise. Like everything that happens to, for you, not for you, everything you've achieved or not has been simply because of you and your choices, your series of choices and decisions. But you have not had to add barriers, skin color, or any of the things that make you you that you can't change be an issue for you. So if I said, well, I'm successful and I've done all these things, and I said, well, I could have been too, except I had this one little thing called blackness going working against me. Like that's where the privilege comes in. And people tend to not want to acknowledge what they can't see. They want to make it tangible and it's not. So mm -hmm. when I when I say that that 
you know, we have to posture our privilege. What I'm really saying is, is take a good look at it, put it on the cross, stop centering your comfort and your and your uh, privilege, right, against black people and against the, the country and the systems. Like, just take it out for a minute and put it in your hand as if it was tangible and look at it and and figure out, like, and be open to accepting that I might have a privilege and I need to spend it or share it or distribute it and make it useful for everybody around me because I didn't earn this. Mm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Kia approached us at ABS uh, through a friend, like we have a mutual friend, and we had... Um, had an episode come out that we needed to talk about. And so I would really love to open the floor to you, Kia, about that topic um, and give you the opportunity to say um, and give us your truth, essentially. So let me start off with the truth about how it even came to, to me, right? So... Mm -hmm. For everybody that's listening, a lot of times when you're in my my position or several people's position where we are tackling such a a a, a confrontational topic, right? It it doesn't feel good. It's uncomfortable. You know, you 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 want to try to be careful, as which is the biggest oxymoron of it all, right? The folks that's trying to, that's being harmed the most have to be careful so that white people don't be offended because God forbid they be harmed, right? Or feel violated. Then all, then it comes back to me and it's my fault anyway. So you hit me, but I screamed too loud. And I made you uncomfortable because my loud was, my scream was too loud. So now you're uncomfortable. So the issue becomes, why did I scream and hurt you versus why did you do to me to cause the scream? That's every day, okay? That's every day. And so I just wanna posture and start off with, I would normally not even address things, but I think for the sake of true understanding and to literally kick the stool that you are standing on whoever you may be, because some people don't need but a little bit of an excuse to not do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And all it takes is for one somebody to say, oh, I don't like that. I didn't have a good experience. or so this happened to me. And without context, you can stand on that stool and say, well, that's why I don't. And that's why I'm not going to. And that's why this is. So I'm going to just kick that stool. Okay, so let's start there. Let's do it. When I met you, I, to, in full transparency, I think you, the way it came to me was that you couldn't, you didn't, you met us and you were looking for something that a negative something was planted in your mind. And maybe you were looking to figure out, well, how true could that be? Because I've never seen this particular behavior that was told to me, or I've never experienced that. And then you got a chance to be with me and my team over a course of a weekend and you were like, well, I'm trying to figure out where's the truth and what I said, because, you know, what was told to me, because that I don't, I'm not experiencing that. And, and because you even mentioned that you heard anything negative, we automatically knew exactly where it came from. And it, it doesn't take but 2.5 seconds to locate information. That. 
Mm-hmm. And so I want to share about something that was happening with my event. And the only reason why I'm even talking about this, because let me tell you this again, and I'm going to tell you this also. When it happened, we didn't talk about it. We dealt with it in-house. We had an issue, a situation. I didn't really think it was an issue. I thought it was just an issue or a topic like several other things that we talked about and had to kind of air out. But there was this this point where, you know, you you can't find anything about this particular subject on social media, period. You do know that, right? You're you're, you're not going to hear me talk about this other than right here. Okay? Okay. For now, I guess, right? (laughs) (laughs) So we had this incident where someone um, had been offending the black and brown community, specifically the black community, for a long time. They are highly loved and respected in the industry. So we tend to tread lightly, but not without call out. This person has been dealt with behind the scenes, calling them out on harmful behavior that they had been trending with for years. This is how people build receipts. This is how people build proof that they have come to you and they have said, hey, we know the world loves you and why don't you maybe, can you see it this way, blah, blah, blah. And those those uh, measures of contact were met with, I'll do what I wanna do. You know, you can't tell me what to do. I'm da, 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 you know, that air, right? And this is not just my experience, this is other people's experience. And so I personally know that I have had to call that person behind the scenes and say, you need to, can you give me a call that day? And I called them out on something that they did that was egregious to me, which was one of the number one offenses against black people. And I called them out on it. And we had a long conversation about, you know, uh, Columbusing, about being, uh, being, you know, stealing, about you know appropriation we talked about um content we talked about credit we talked about we talked about a a few things all of which applied to the conversation Mm -hmm. okay so that person again starts getting into things on social media with other folks right other people are saying things me quiet as a church mouse because i'm not saying anything i've already said my piece i already said what i said yeah they get into a whole big rustle with a lot of black people in the curly hair community. Okay, they get into it. So I think what happened is, is their response to it was not accepting of any redirect, any public scrutiny. And of course, it caused a lot of um, back and forth with people because people were looking for me to have opinion. And so I did have an opinion and I said, okay, here's my opinion again. And I had already stated my opinion two, three years ago. So all I did was pull back what I said and put it back in context, period. Called their names, everything. But what I did get was phone calls to go live with that person. And I felt like, no, I, I'm gonna sit that one out because there's a lot of things happening with you that I don't that I think are bigger than what we're seeing on social media. And I would love to have a private conversation with you. And I think you will appreciate that best than us going live. That is exactly what I said. Left it there, did not have any more to engage in social media about it let it let it ride everybody else took it to the moon and back well i think in a in a in a moment to redeem themselves and to uh completely i I feel like it was a pr tour they came to my event 
to my event. And I think what they wanted to do was to get people off their back and say, oh, well, I'm here and I'm so sorry. And, you know, oh, I didn't know. And, you know, all the white woman tears and all these things are happening. And I'm just looking like, first of all, this is not the place for that. We didn't ask you for that. We hadn't talked to you. We hadn't called you out. We hadn't called your name. We hadn't mentioned anything. Why are you, let me introduce myself. And you begin to take over and someone else's event to make it about you, which is what people do. Sometimes they start centering themselves in a situation. And instead of addressing what the situation was and how harmful you were, you wanted to talk about how bad you felt about how we felt about what you did. That was bad and harmful. Give me a, come on. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So now you make the event about you and I say, I asked you to have the, the conversation privately. I asked you not to do this, right? Right? Okay. I said, I didn't want to talk about it publicly. Are you willing to have a conversation now so that we all can learn and grow? It is recorded. It is mm-hmm. documented. I, I, I listen. Okay. I asked permission to talk about it. I was about to say, you asked permission yeah. in your first sentence. And it was recorded. <laughs> and so it was recorded. <laughs> I said, so we proceeded to have a conversation where I still did not reveal all the other egregious things. Mm-hmm. I kept the conversation tight and right and to the breast of what was on the table in that moment. I didn't go back and, and tear down and pull up the, all the weeds and point out all the things that had been done prior to that. What I said was, is in this situation, this is how we could have learned from it. This is da, 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 da. So it's a, it was a hot topic and a lot of people had things to say. And in particular, a few people were offended that she would do what they did and just yeah. try to take over the entire, with the whole, I'm such a victim, I'm a victim here. You know, y'all, you know, everybody just love me, uh, you know. And someone basically told them to sit down and shut up. Another another white person who who understands that dog whistle, that white woman tear, the the call, the cry for help, the I'm trying to be a good person, I'm a good white person, and 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 they are picking on me and they are making me feel bad. That whole thing. That is a theme that I believe a lot of people. Uh, in, in, the, in the country, I could show you a, a million right now. I could zoom, I could sit and, and tag you in a million instances where this happens. Mm-hmm. And I think and what happens is when people have such a huge platform, they use it to their advantage by saying things like, like playing the victim and dog whistling and making things that don't make them feel good look net in a negative light. We have evolved texture versus race from being a cry from a small corner from a very, you know, unknown black woman that just simply had an opinion like everybody else and had feelings. Okay. And that grew to gain the attention of people who were aligned with the message. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. align with anybody that's not with the message and walks this out. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when our event has gone from being, you know, with color culture being an all black event to now we are running about 75% non-black. <laughs> our last event 
was mostly what we and we are having these same hard conversations telling these same truths showing up in the same space the same way and people leave either encouraged to change because they have opened themselves up to something new another thought or idea or a reason to consider another perspective or they leave doubling down on the fact that they love where they are and they are who they are and, and either is fine but most people that align with me know that we're going to have hard conversations but because this person was not aligned with me and they thought i was just a good person to attach to so when we talk about using people let's talk about you wanting to use black bodies to protect you let's talk about you wanting black people to go live with you to constantly make you look good and to start attaching yourselves to you know events and stuff like that and bringing black people up when you're constantly just basically stealing from them so there's a lot there but what i will say is i don't tear anybody down but if you come at me 10 toes down you bring the smoke i got the extinguisher it's all good <laughs> i love you so much i can back up what i'm saying and this this yeah. person is they and, and I'm, I'm gonna leave that because i love to stick with what i'm gonna say i don't want to put words in nobody else's mouth mm -hmm. but i think that one of the reasons why people do not share the real about them because they are afraid because they're like oh well you, you know you you might be canceled no i'm not gonna be canceled what we need to cancel and stop making stop making people who do speak the truth be afraid to speak the truth because they're afraid someone's going to be mad and cancel them That's like no yeah. like we should be open to hearing the truth and if you don't like it i i've been a i've been kia neil all my life child all these other things people got going on saying and what i do it don't make me no no never mind it really don't and i just i find it so interesting that the it was trying to be positioned in a certain way when the whole vision of texture versus race is inclusion yeah so how do how do I get to be the racist and the harmful person when I'm the one that's putting on an event trying to bring you together so you can stop being so harmful and for black people to know how to have relationship and figure out how we're going to actually put this industry back together because it has been blown to hell into pieces. Now we're trying to figure out together what we want it to look like. Right. Mm. To find a way forward. It's it's saying well, I don't understand why you said X, Y, Z. Tell me why you feel that way. I tell you, we talk, we have an exchange, we share information and we come up with a solution. That is what happens when grown people have conversations that start off with good intentions. See, when, you're, when, you're, when, you're, when your intention isn't pure, that's when we start seeing all of this. So that means you're accusing us of being exactly the opposite of what we stand for. Come on, you, you're, you're one person. You have the most to gain by making sure that nobody is listening to me. Because if I get the microphone and tell the God honest truth, then, uh, then it's Everybody's going to hear it, honey. <laughs> Say again? I said everybody's going to hear it, honey. And that was a that was last year. I didn't say anything. So yeah. we could have left it right there at that location at that museum and threw it to the sea and kept it moving like we've done so many other instances of of situations or people didn't agree. Nobody everybody did not agree on every issue. That's not the mm -hmm. that wasn't the point. The point was for us to have a space where we were safe enough to speak our truths about yeah. the issues. Now you go outside and start bad mouthing and, and making it feel making people feel like oh she's just gonna bash white people okay 
when white people are filling up my rooms. Yeah, that's <laughs> come on. Seriously. The majority of the people that follow me are white. And it's and that that's not bragging. That's not bragging. That's talking about people who are aligned to a mission. It's showing you that people are listening to this content for a reason. Yeah. It's the reason I it's the reason I followed you. It was, oh, I need to know this. Yeah. What she's saying is what I need to hear. Exactly. They're not people who who agree and then want to disagree in the other same frame. And some people do. They're, they're like, I want to hear you. I want to understand. I don't understand everything. So tell me why. Tell me why me wearing braids is an issue. Tell me why me, you know, whatever, whatever, doing this is, a, is an issue. Mm-hmm. Like, tell me uh, why you think, you know, Black people should be teaching natural hair care versus mm-hmm. non-Black people. Tell me why you feel that way. You may not agree, but at least you would have heard me and I would have heard you. Mm-hmm. That's what conversation and communication is. Mm-hmm. And it's, I find it interesting whenever I see funny, I'm not going to say interesting. I find it funny when I see a white educator posting a class about curls, cr- like 4C texture haircuts. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't I necessarily don't want, want to learn a, texture like that texture of haircut from you Mm. because it's not what you've dealt with your entire life I want like what do they do when they're at home I want to know what it's like to sleep on it what it's like to wash it out and detangle it like I want to know that not just how to do the cut absolutely Mm -hmm. so there's a couple of reasons why I said what I said and it's and I think People, when they hear me say, because I said this back in 20, I said, dear white educators, we don't need you to teach curly hair. Like we, you know, let black people have a space. Two reasons. One, because in the time that we have introduced texture in, in this way, right? When you want to learn the things you want to learn that have to be completely assimilated, aligned with cultural competence, connected. Let me just use that word. The curly care, the, the, the nuances, the, the natural hair, right? Um, certain textures that belong to a certain demographic of people does require a little bit more information than someone who's just picking up for a trend and a money option and financial gain. There's, there's a difference in that education, okay? So here's the two things. If you, the curly girl moving and the natural hair moving are two different things. And people really need to get that in their minds, right? Natural hair is black people, our culture, our experiences, our history, our trauma, our revolution, our love, our strength. That's the natural hair movement. White people can't teach the natural hair movement because it's an emotion that lives in that also. Curly hair, yes. And let me say this, there are a lot of curly hair educators that have loved curly hair and been doing curly hair since the beginning of their careers, way before George Floyd. Those people are safe. (laughs) They can absolutely, because they have made it their life's work to study. I'm not saying white people can never know how to teach it. What I'm saying is, is they have to be a student of said curls because it has not been something they were given in cosmetology school. So that means they have been intentional about their experience, about how they practice and how they study or you know how they get the information they have been specific those people you can tell they've been doing curly since the beginning love mm-hmm. them 
I was talking about the people who have never ever had a person of color or any type of tight curls beyond glossy, um, you know, marker size curls that looks like glass. Yeah. You finally, after George Floyd is murdered, I saw people who had never touched a black person in their life do one soft, curly, shake it out, wash and go, and say, now I'm a curly hair expert, y'all take classes from me. The problem I have with that is that while you could do it possibly, why would you, and why would you not take the opportunity to bring up someone black who probably would not have had the opportunity to do that and align yourself with them so that they can teach the class and you support it. But because no one wants to pass the mic, the selfishness of it, the greed of it all. It's the same thing. It's like, okay, now, now y'all are popular. Okay, well, we'll take that too. And I'm, yes, we'll take that too. You can't, there's some things you can't teach. So all I'm saying is where there's opportunity, bring black people, especially during that time when we were calling for more opportunity, more equitable opportunities for black people. Why did you have to teach it? You already have a million followers. You're already teaching for major companies. You're already traveling. And here you are with someone who could run circles around you barefoot on fire in the subject. And you won't give them the opportunity to say, hey, you know what? I've been learning how to do curly hair. But here's so-and-so to tell you more. I'm going to have a class and host this. Y'all sign up for this class. What's the harm in that? It's, there is none. <laughs> it is. We talk about a lot, like, the old school mentality of the yeah. industry and how, like, high-level premier stylists want to, like, gatekeep everything that they have versus bring up people exactly what you said. Yeah. Exactly what you said. Yeah, but the problem is, is even in hair shows and with companies sometimes, they'll bring black people in the back to do the work, and then the white artists will go up front and take a bow. Yeah, I got a problem with that too. So now that we're seeing more black people on the stages, great, because that's what we wanted. We want to see people having opportunities and being able to share the information correctly at that. And that's been a lot of issue. If you're not completely sound and an expert in any subject matter, when you teach it, you are teaching whatever your level of understanding is of it. And if that's short-sighted, then so will the folks that you plant that same lopsided, one-sided, non-sided seed in. Mm -hmm. And then they go from there hearing wrong information and then they perform wrong services and they cause harm. And they go, well, yeah, but I learned it from so-and-so and they're so-and-so, so they must know, they must be. No, they must not be. It's just, it's just really about at the end of the day, you know, learning about what cup to drink from. And when you drink from too many cups, you get germs. <laughs> I mean, that's all of your one-liners are getting me today, girl. Yeah. Oh, I'm it's, sorry. <laughs> I, I love them. Yeah. No, keep them. Um, so how can people who look like us? Mm -hmm. have those conversations of inclusion in our salons or as educators say I go into do it for yourself first okay um 
dis decide that you, you know, want to be on an anti-racism journey because that's going to give you what you need to stay in it because it's not easy. And when you mm -hmm. want to introduce anti-racism to your salon and include, because inclusion and anti-racism go hand in hand. It's okay to just bring somebody around, but if you haven't learned how to not mistreat them, it's a mute point. Does that make sense? So when I say do your work, I mean, start reading anti-racism books, you know, things that are centered around anti-blackness, understanding culture, finding resources in books and movies and, and documentaries and learning our history will help you because see now you have to be willing to debunk all the things that, that are going on, shaking up that rocky ground that you stand on every day, right? You gotta shake that up and you gotta, you if you hadn't sat back and go, damn, I did not know that. Mm. You, what? And what was I doing during this time? If you hadn't had that conversation with yourself, you're not doing enough yet. Mm. You gotta be, I want you to watch something that makes you say, damn, I did not know. I want you to be disgusted. I want your stomach to hurt because that's the only way to stay committed to it because it's easier not to. And that's what, that's the issue. So, but when you are in a salon space, you want to be able to be the standard of behavior because you can't expect something from somebody else that you don't do. And I had a person tell me that in the salon, they were like, yeah, they want us to take all these DEI courses, these diversity and inclusion courses, but you yourself are a racist and you're harmful every day. How, how, that doesn't work. So what they say is, we don't want to hear that because you don't, you're not that. So fish rots from the head. You have to start. You have to mm -hmm. lead from the front. You do. So once you become more inclusive minded, more diverse minded, then they'll see that in the way you do things, the choices that you make, the people that you're around, the conversations that you're having. And it won't look so, well, what is he doing? Is he just trying to look like he's doing something right now, trying to put the black card up? No, it becomes a part of you. And then yeah. you start understanding how to employ black people and how to open up and create a safer space for non-white people to come into your space or whatever intersection mm -hmm. of communities. If mm -hmm. that's your intention, you gotta learn more about it so that you could learn how to not step on landmines constantly. Yeah, and it's yeah. not easy, but it sure is worth it. So you had said that, you know, if you, you want to bring these people into your spaces, but you haven't learned to offend them or not to offend them when they're there. Would you say that like as a salon, as a whole, if you are trying to open up, you know, open those doors and make sure just start on that path. Would you say that before educating on hair types and curl types and things like that, that it would be important to start with the training and the conversations around that so that, you can even have space to learn the education because you said there's in the natural hair movement that it's not just technique, there's emotion and trauma and all these things behind it. So if you don't have an understanding of that first, how can you really fully execute in any way, shape or form the hair, the hair portion of it? 
So that's what Tax Versus Race does. We add that component to make sure that any staff group or, you know, a brand even, you know, we're talking about the executive space and the, the C-suite people, you know, we want to know what is your understanding of diversity? Why are you here? Why do you want this? How is this happening? And when you bring a group together, everybody has to be on board because it only takes one bad apple, right? When we think about Starbucks, Starbucks had one fool, one fool do something that cost them billions of dollars because they had to shut down their entire company to do sensitivity training, race sensitivity training. One person and their bad decisions. So it's important for everybody to have buy-in. It's important for everybody to be on the journey with you as well. Once you started, hey, this is what I'm working on. Are you aligned with that? Because if they're not, then they will go, they will basically eat your seed. Every time you try to be diverse and inclusive, they're going to mess it up doing something crazy. You know what I mean? Like everybody has to be on board. Like the house has to be whole. You have to consider what your culture is gonna be like in your salon and set the theme and the temperature for how you all are gonna operate. It's about having strategy, uh, conflict resolution strategies. It's about laying out the expectations. You know, it's saying, hey, and if that doesn't happen, what are the consequences we all can agree with? And then you encourage them and book everything while you're booking cutting and color classes and extension classes, make sure you do some DEI classes. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not just around black people. Man, this country's offensive, period. You can't even, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I'm not even gonna go there, but I think that we, there's so much work that needs to be done. We need just human classes. Cause we're out of we're out of control out here in these streets. <laughs> How to be a human? How to be a human? How to I be always a- say they 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 ain't got no home training. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a southern saying, I guess. But we need some home training. Some home training. And while we're talking about some home training, sorry, I was saying oh, I'm no, sorry. That's why, that's why I have all these one liners. All these sayings. That's southern. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> But while we're talking about diversity and inclusion classes and the TVR Summit, let's talk about the upcoming TVR Summit. Can I tell you that you're the first person that I'm telling that I had to reschedule TVR and pushed it back to March 17th through 19th? That gives people more time to save their money. money. Perfect. March 17th. And I have been asleep. (laughs) for two months and (laughs) I just feel like I've lost so much time that I really want to be able and 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 really the severity of my injury is going to take my focus to be on my recovery Mm -hmm. and I don't want to be you know half-hearted half-minded planning something so um magnificent and I want it to be everything that I want it to be and in order to do that I have to compartmentalize and posture my health and, and, and recovery journey first. So if I give myself a little bit more time, then I can still give TVR what it needs. Mm-hmm. And because this, you can't drop this ball. This is too heavy. You can't drop this ball, not yeah. this ball. Right. I, okay, so like I said, that just gives people more time to save, save money. some money. Know, exactly. Um, there are payment plans available, but for people that like wanting to purchase tickets, yeah. where can they go to find the tickets? Okay, so at by the time y'all hear this, we will have updated everything on the website and probably done an official launch. Uh-huh. 
And so you were able to go on at texturevsrace.com. The links are in my bio, Texture versus Race bio on Instagram. You could go straight to it. There are payment arrangements available. There are tiers that you could come in at a general entrance, um, a VIP or a diamond. And just to give you some understanding on what the differences are. So general gets you all the wonderful things, all the beautiful classes, everything that's, that's open, um, just no hands on. And VIP gets you, VIP gets you all the classes, all the rotations, all the presentations. Um, and it also gets you into the holiday party, which is, which is going to be fabulous. And it's probably not going to be holiday by the time we have it. I'll figure out what it is. It's probably going to be my 50.5 birthday, 50.5, because I'll be 50 yeah. in October. And Love. I would not have been able to celebrate again due to this accident. So I might do a 5.5. Um, yes. party, something like that. Don't hold me yeah. that we're going to get together and have a good time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, VIP gets you that, but it gets you all the classes and it gets you a, a hydro discovery. And it's, it, that session is so wonderful. It's a live models where we do a spectrum of texture amongst all live models. And we have a round robin effect where you get to consult and see how this hair, you know, how it's shaping up calling out the characteristics what do you see and actually seeing it in real time through the shampoo process the detangling and so if you're vip you get that which is phenomenal i, I promise you that is the highlight of the event because it's hands-on to you know models and hair textures that you yeah. probably hadn't seen and touched and experienced um, but then you also get uh, a specialty class, whether you want the curly cutting class or whether you want a, a color class or whether you want a styling class. We'll have different hands-on classes going off as well. So you'll have that. Diamond gets all of that plus a three-hour mastermind with me where we will, yeah, before, before the event, I get with you three hours beforehand where me and a couple of my professional friends walk you through one, DEI, how to diversify your business, the bottom lines, the menus, the pricing, and just all these strategies to help you um, be a solid, diverse-minded salon owner. Love that. Yeah. Honey, I want to be a diamond. Right? <laughs> You are a diamond hunter. Three hours are going to be insane. They'll have yeah. extra swag. They'll be doing some extra things, extra time with me here, pockets of stuff with me, like coffee with Kia. And we, we love those time, you know, that time to spend without diamond. Because those are the people that are, um, those are the people that are really looking to make those significant changes immediately. They want to implement and they want to do it the right way. So we'll have people from HR. We'll have people from racial therapies. We'll have people uh, that just simply understand the services and how to rename them, how to price them, timing, all of that. So we'll, we'll be doing actual work through the mastermind. I love yeah. the menu option. Yeah, the pricing yeah. and menu option. I love that. Yeah. Because that was that was a conversation that we've we had. actually had of like these services need to be on the menu and they need to be called this. We can't just book it under this and mm -hmm. call it that. It's not it doesn't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> um determine whether or not that service is going to be all encompassing and how was the differentiator if the price changes 
and there's nothing wrong with have a di having differentiators, right? But it's but it's what's differentiating them. <laughs> you can't tell yeah. this person because they present a certain way that now their price is higher because you assume, or you can't tell them their price is higher because you just don't know what you're doing and it's just taking you that much longer. Like there are different things that go into that. And so I wanna thoroughly explain and flush that out because I think people get so wrapped up into, but, but if I got to shampoo it and detangle it and condition it and set it and take it on the dry and do this and do it, I'm thinking, yeah, but you just did a, a, you just did a highlight, a root touch, a smudge, a tip out, a toner, an old black, mm -hmm. so this or that, a KAT, you know, I did all these things. You blow dried it, you cut it, you styled it. And so what's the difference? Yeah. And in the... The reality of the situation is a style or a cut on extra curly hair where you do have all those extra steps, you can still double book your schedule. You just double book your schedule while they're under the dryer yeah. or like. Well, I mean, I, I think don't. what I took from that was that it was important that you said that what's the indicator of why it's taking longer? Is it because it actually takes longer? Is it because you're not as experienced and so it takes you longer? You know, that's not a fair thing. And how you do multiple things. Yeah. And you book for processing time. You book mm -hmm. to tone it. Exactly. You know when they're coming back to the style. It's the same thing. I think people look at yeah. it like, Oh, that's so robust. That's a lot. But I'm like, yeah, but this person just got like a 20 step process of color. And you mm -hmm. somehow you knew how to book that and work yeah. around it. You know what I mean? It's the mm -hmm. same thing. Yeah. I, and I, I think we just have to get our minds focused on the similarities and not so much of the differences all the time. Yes. I love that. I think this is just, it's, I'm so grateful that this is a conversation that we're having and that. It, yeah, let me tell you, like, Erica is never this quiet. <laughs> I'm not. But, well, no, because I just, I think it is, like, it can be scary as a stylist to be like, I want to learn more, but I don't know where to start, and I do have questions that I don't want to offend anybody with, and I don't want to look stupid because I don't know, but it is true. If you don't live that life, like, that experience, then you don't know, and you don't know what you don't know, but if you are willing to learn what you don't know, it can be good, and I just think that, like, that has been, it's a hard conversation, like you said, to have, and so maybe it's people have been waiting for you for a long time to come along and start it you know but I think I'm just grateful that it's there and I don't know if I'll be diamond but I'm gonna be at that summit <laughs> <laughs> never well, know you never know we might have right. something come out you know we could we could put you up there and make you a, and make you a diamond but something you said was really really um really great just now and I just want to say everything that you said is absolutely what people tell me every day, either I don't know, I'm scared to know, I'm scared to look crazy, I don't wanna offend, I don't wanna do it wrong, I don't, all of those things. But here's where you can, there's an exchange for all of that, okay, to, to resolve all of that. And the mm -hmm. exchange and the currency is your comfort. Mm -hmm. It's your comfort. If you are willing to be uncomfortable, then you can have all of those things, the education, you can debunk yeah. the fear, you could walk in confidence, you can ask the questions in safe spaces where you know people are going to answer because they want you to know because they come in and bowing not to be offended. Mm -hmm. 
that's what TBR does. I, I was coaching this lady who wasn't even in the industry and she was just concerned. And so I finally re rewrote the contract and put in, I said, there's nothing you can say that's going to offend me. I love that. It's nothing well, you're going to say or feel that I'm not going to already know is there mm -hmm. or haven't heard it from somewhere else. Like you're not going to offend me. And that was the part that got her to say yes, because mm -hmm. she was so afraid to offend me. She didn't want to tell me some of the things she was telling me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, but that's why I'm here. So I can redirect you and mm -hmm. give you a chance to just, you know, say it. I give it back to you. We look at it. You turn it around and examine it and go, well, where did this come from? How do, how do we get this? What's this nugget? What's the origin of this? Now, how do we get past it? How do we pluck and replace limited thinking? That's a process. And that requires you being able to, again, posture your privilege mm -hmm. and not center your comfort. Yeah. Yeah. I love everything that you've said all this whole entire episode so it's like you've captivated me so much I'm thinking is hard but okay so as an industry disruptor mm -hmm. I would I would I'm gonna make an assumption that there have been a lot of times in your career that's not easy beg to differ that most of them have been difficult so this question might be a little tough for you, but we have two questions that we ask every guest. Okay. Give it to me. What is a time in your career, in your professional life that you've been so far down that you were surprised at how you were able to pull yourself back up at it and look back at that? Okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm a traditional black stylist all black clientele, except the, the ones that I could catch when they try to walk out the door when they realize they walked into a black salon. Like I could, I could catch a few <laughs> of those clients, I could keep them, right? Um, but I, I meet this man and I get married and I move to Maryland from South Carolina. And mm -hmm. I'm at the prime, like I am a traveling platform artist with a black hair care company, but we're I'm gone three weekends out of the month. like. You know, if I get two weekends off back to back, we, so anyway, I was busy, busy because I owned a salon as well. And I had two children and I moved to Maryland and I had a baby and I was on bed rest. Most of the pregnancy was not working in a new area, didn't know anybody, didn't have. And I think at that point, I felt like I had lost my my will to fight for the industry. And what I mean by that is I didn't want to do hair anymore, right? I was just super depressed. I had become a stay-at-home mom. Uh, I had, you know, all I knew was baby talk and, <laughs> you know, nothing <laughs> about the industry interests me for about almost two years. And I, yeah, like I was the yoga pants, milk on my shirt, eh, don't worry <laughs> about it, we gonna put it back on. Like that was my life, you know, you and. I wasn't far away from where I am now. When I say like persona, we just didn't have like social media as much back then to document it all. But I was, you know, we were going to the hair shows and doing seminars and classes and traveling. And I've always been the hair and the makeup and the, you know, the this, the that. And here I am now, yoga mom, biggest thing is grocery stores and the gym, you know? And I'm like, I don't think I want to do hair anymore. And my husband is like, ever? I'm like, I don't think so. Like, I didn't want to do anybody. And 
he kept, he kept saying he wanted me to uh, get back out there and stick with the plans that we had before that when I went to work, I would work at a multicultural salon so that I could expand my knowledge in color, right? Because I was a colorist, but I wanted to be somewhere we were really doing like permanent color formulations, foils. I wanted, I wanted, you know, all textures of hair, but I couldn't will myself out of that space. That was a horrible time. Not because I didn't love being at home, but because I couldn't connect with what I loved so much. It felt like I was in a, a dark, a really dark place. And so one day my husband and I are riding to the grocery store, my famous, my favorite place, the grocery store, and he's going the wrong way. And I'm like, well, where are we going? He says, you're going to get a job. And I'm like, today? And he's like, today, like <laughs> today. So I feel like he woke me up yeah. But only to drop me off in a, you know, a salon full of white people, which then changed my entire life. Because now I'm like, well, how did I wake up in this? <laughs> how did I end up here? And I actually stayed there for 10 years. But I look back on it now and laugh because I'm like, I needed that. I needed to be thrown in. But I did, I did kind of feel like I got thrown into the wolves a little bit because I wasn't expecting all that I had to go through working with a lot of freshwater white people, which were people who weren't used to being around black people either. So we were strangers to each other and we had to figure it out. It was, and it was rough. So it's funny because I needed it and it has brought me exactly to where I am now, but yeah. sheesh, that was tough. I bet at the time you definitely didn't know it was preparing you for this. You know, it's kind of funny how that works, but that probably started to like give you the tools to learn to change to grow to start this and that's awesome because yeah I bet that was quite the change for you it was very much a change because it was at that moment I realized I had been living a, a, a different a whole different reality that was when I started saying wait a minute like white people living different over here like in the salon like this yeah. salon business is different than this salon business the experiences are different the services yeah. are the culture is so different, but I also realized that not just culturally was it different, but professionally was a difference because of like the brands and the marketing and the, you know, and I, it has started to be very clear to me in that moment that black people were being redlined and that they were, they did not have access to all of the resources that white businesses and such salon owners had. And that started to make me go, wait a minute. So I started telling people like, you know, you could do football that they do this, this, this. And it was like, really? Like people did not, we did not know. I didn't know. I'll give you an example. We, and I argued this point for a long time in the beginning. And I said, you know, we never, we've never gotten free back bar. We've never gotten in salon classes from the brands. We've never had a distribution house arranged for people to come to the salon and educate. We've never had a buyout where you bought a bunch of product and someone bought it back or took it back and gave you something else. Never in my history of 15 years that I even heard of such thing. So when I was, they kept saying, we got these classes coming from all these brands and they were coming in, giving us all this education. I was like, well, why didn't we get that? Like, I've never gotten free back bar. I've no one's ever left me free anything based on point service amount we spend because we didn't buy from distribution houses. We bought from the five black manufacturers that were there. So we didn't get that. We didn't even know. And even if we did buy from your major distribution houses, nobody made it clear or made an effort to make them a, a viable um 
uh, account to yeah. account and compute what everything they were spending so that they could get those free points so and get the back and get the classes. Never. There are black people today that don't know that that exists. I promise you. I, and, and, and to tell me that's common knowledge. Well, common ain't common if I don't know. No, I didn't. I had no, no clue that that was the that that was ha- like that happened. That, that that's just, how it was. Yeah. Absolutely, just no one ever came to my salon and invited me to classes. I remember one time that this lady she stumbled in the salon, and she was just kind of looking around, and and she said she, she said something. No, 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 no. I met her in the nail salon and the nail lady said, you should see her and go to her salon. White woman for like, a, I don't even remember the company name now, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so she came to my salon and she was like, we got a class, but I'm kind of, I'm sure you probably wouldn't want to invest that much. Like it was almost that insinuation. See, that's that microaggression. Like I can't afford that class or I might not need that class because my clientele wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. be- you know what I mean? Like, but I was like, no, I'm gonna take your class, and yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay for it right now. Let's go, because yeah. that's yeah. That's, I've got yeah. cash actually. Yeah. Here you go. Here I go. Here you go. Here you go. And I just kept realizing that we didn't we didn't have that benefit. That was the one time I went to a class that wasn't with, for, performed, and marketed to black people. And so when I started going to premiere, I was like, oh, there's a lot more out here than you know what we've known. But when I got to Maryland and we were getting it in the salons, I was like, wait a minute, this is a whole other world. So that did start my, you know, that inclination of, oh, this is different. I got to do something about that. Let's talk about this. Let's make Mm -hmm. this public now. Let's hold people accountable. (laughs) Let's figure out why don't black people know this? Why don't the salons in the urban area have? Why aren't y'all sending your your distributors to our salons? Why are you not creating accounts? And you know what every distributor says? Because I don't know what to say. I don't think we have anything for you, them, you know, for black people. Like right now, right now, right now, distributors will not go into black salons because they Two, don't understand that their products can work for all textures. They're not confident in it. They don't know. And they just think that black people are not going to buy from them. That's crazy. That is so mind blowing to me. And it sucks that it's mind blowing that I just didn't know that. That's kind of what I was getting at is like, it just goes to show how much we don't know, you know? And that's like, there isn't really any other way to put it, but it's like, I would, I would, I would assume in my life experience, that a salon is a salon and a distributor is a distributor and every salon would get the same mm-hmm. treatment. But, of course, how the hell would I know any differently, I guess? I don't know, but I'm just grateful that, like I said, that we're having this conversation because it just goes to show how freaking deep it is and, like, little things that we don't know, like you said, with the little microaggression of, like, not going, even going into the salon because you assume something. That's incorrect. And you that's know? the privilege of it. And that's what I keep saying, the intangibleness of privilege. Yeah. 
privilege allows you to not know because they did come to your salon and they do share all these things yeah. too and you hadn't had to think about exactly. it the only way to know it's not happening is if you were in community with people who could say say what you got what but well, i didn't now you can do something about it but if you if your community all looks like you then everybody's getting the same treatment then of course you think you wouldn't mm -hmm. think no further than that. You wouldn't be prompted to think any further than that. Mm -hmm. That's why I go on record and say things like that, because yeah. these are the unspoken spaces that people aren't paying as much attention to. And I'm like, no, but let's put some light on it. And everybody's shocked, black people and white people. They're like, oh, I didn't know that was happening. Black people are like, I didn't know it was happening either. So yeah. sometimes, you know, it takes, for me, my life being able to be in both spaces and having a multifaceted perspective because I've done just about everything in the beauty industry, right? I've done it. I've been the employer. I've worked at commission salons. I've worked booth rental. I've owned the salon. I've worked commission again. I've worked with a whole bunch of freshwater white people. Like I've gone through all the stuff I've taught, I've taught a class, I've done my own class, I've created my own events, I've done different people's events. Like, so I see it from a, a different perspective. So I see a lot. And so I just feel like for me to disrupt, I have to constantly be the person that's kind of like picking the lint off going <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and let's deal and this too, yeah. let's deal with oh, that. And there's another one. So I have one more question, then I'll let you ask the last question. Okay. Um, do, is is that something that you've been able to invite change into is distributors going into black salons or becoming more educated on their products and what they are capable of yeah that's something i have pitched to a couple of companies and said and they have to just get to a point they all say yeah yeah we know we need it but i haven't actually done that training yet which I was married to a distributor. So if, if he and I got together and said, we got, you know, we can train your distributors to be like, you would almost double your income, but you have to prove it because what they want is proof that, you know, which just doesn't make any sense. You benefit our black people anyway, but you won't go into a salon to make sure that you serve the community that you're benefiting from already. Gotcha. So I feel like there are some companies that are going to get it. Like I did some in the works that are trying to plan, right? Like we have where we're trying to plan it out where I can come and, 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 you know, train the distributors as well. Um, but it actually has not happened yet, but I have pitched it to a few companies and they understand that they are dropping the ball in that area. They, they absolutely know it. It is not a secret. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. Good. It's about time, right? Um, I don't remember what our next question is because so, it's been so long since we've had a guest and I usually ask the first one. Oh, okay. So the second <laughs> question then is just a counter to the first question. Yeah. So name a time that you have surprised yourself with something you've been able to achieve or an accomplishment that you were like, wow, I did that. Okay. Three, three things, three things. I got to tell you three, three pins that stick out the most. One, when I became ABCA certified, that was a huge deal for me. Mm -hmm. um, very few black people are there. Very few black people get past the test or mm -hmm. take the time to even try. Very few of us are there. Um, and I became the keynote speaker on their last year as, a, as an organization right before George, right before 20, it was 19, I was the last keynote speaker talking about diversity and inclusion in a, a all white space, like 800 white people to like 
10 of us. <laughs> And we and I got to close basically close that out. So that was one too. Um, and I don't want to give this this organization any any bandwidth either. But um, into Carfeer, I actually had become a member into Carfeer. And the only reason why I think that was big is because again, you can count the black people on one hand that were there, and it was it meant something for me to get that. Um, at that time to be in that space and see what it was like. It just wasn't meant for me to stay there because I realized quickly that I was, they are not aligned with my message. Okay, so I left, I, I, I did not even go back. And so, but that was pivotal because I needed to see, I needed to see what was happening. I needed to understand so that I could change in my space. You know what I mean? You can't change a space you don't occupy. That's just what it is, you, you know, you won't. And, um, but the but the one the one thing in my life that I think was so amazing was TVR last year. And the reason why is because we had so many people. We had 100 people come when I couldn't really get more than like 25 30 for the most part at, at any event at any given time right. Um, we had 100 people sit in the room that said they wanted to see the industry change. Well, 99. <laughs> and cut. And episode over. Mic drop. Oh, Lord. Oh, I couldn't let it ride. I wanted to, oh. but I couldn't. We had 99. 99 people. That's that right. Yeah. With great intentions to change the industry. People cried, they gave up yeah. themselves, they gave up the one thing that was holding them back. They were able to express it and put it on paper and tell their honest truths and deal with it. And that moment, we changed lives. Mm -hmm. Like people leave our events and they are not the same. I don't care if we affect your skill set but we are guaranteed to touch your mindset. Mm, I like that. And that to really? me, having that many people in the room proclaimed that they were there mm. and they wanted this and they were gonna do their part was extremely uh, eye-opening to me about what, what could be. Like I knew it could, but to see it manifest itself that way and to see God show up and, and, and for someone, I mean, a very nice white woman shared with me. She said, I felt like the space was sacred. The room was sacred. And that word is, I am absolutely with that because the walls were talking. There was history about black people on everywhere you turned. It was something about black people in our history and people got it. They got it. And, and we, we did a great job. Me and my team, you know, no one person, my team and I were able to bring that event to fruition according to what we really wanted to see happen. And it happened. And I ain't gonna say without small hiccups, but it was probably the best event I've ever had. The the the, the least amount of stress. Mm -hmm. There you go. And I, I feel that uh, a lot of that sacredness too came from, girl. Any room that you walk in is sacred. 
any word that you say, you can feel from, I can feel the your words when you speak. I don't just hear them. Mm-hmm. And you're changing the industry. You're changing people. You're changing minds, and hearts. minds hearts, and lives. Mm-hmm. You're giving opportunities to people who otherwise might not have had those opportunities. And I look up to you and admire you so much for everything that you've done and everything that you will do. And I, you have blessed this, the podcast studio. (laughs) It feels sacred in here as well, but I truly do. You mean it. You are amazing. And you are the reason that everything that you've done is so successful. Mm you and the people that you have around you and the people that you've chosen to carry your message with you. And I appreciate so much that you took the time out to sit with us today yeah, and share your love with us. Absolutely. This is, this has been great. And I knew you were the person to um, have so much conversation with. Like I said, I've never had it. Mm-hmm. I hold to my word. When I say it's sacred and safe, it's safe. Mm-hmm. Never said a word. And um, but I, I thank you too for not buying into um, something someone else said without finding out for yourself. And I appreciate you, even when you got around us, to not expect negative because you were someone tried to plant negativity about my name and my team and how we do things. And I appreciate the fact that you were, you know, open enough to say. But let me, you know, let me see if that's true. And when it wasn't, you said, that isn't true. Like, I'm surprised to have heard that. That isn't true about y'all. You know, I've not experienced that with y'all. Like, most people don't do that. They take the words of anybody. That's why people get paid so much to be influencers, because they have so much influence. And I appreciate you for being uninfluenced during that time, because it allowed us to be able to be here and be in this space and really talk. And I'm sure someone's listening and someone's saying, I like this. I like the fact that we can have the conversation. I like the fact that I have context and I like the fact, and then there are going to be other people that say, no, I don't believe her. I believe it just, I just want to support X, Y, Z. And that's fine too. I don't work to change a made up mind. I don't expend my energy there. So it's all good. Thank you for the opportunity to even be on. You and Erica have been great. I really appreciate you and your words of affirmation for me. Thank you. I just want to say also, too, something that has struck me. I mean, you've said it multiple times throughout this and some of your posts on Instagram, too, where you say this is a safe space. We're going to have this conversation. It has to be safe for people to feel that they can say what they need to say from both sides and that we don't have to walk away with the same uh, opinion or, you know, I don't it doesn't we don't have to agree. That's what you said. And that's fine. You don't have to agree. And I appreciate that you're not going to waste your time on people who who don't agree <laughs> and that don't have the same vision of you. I just think that that is, number one, like, necessary and also just very graceful energy to have about it because in a lot of aspects, people are just free to have conversations anymore. And they try to, when they do have those conversations, make you think, this is my opinion and this is why I'm right. Like you said, listening to reply and not listening to actually digest what you're saying. Um, That's why you got two ears and one mouth. Right. (laughs) So I just think I just, I'm grateful for that. And that's, that's exactly what we need. So 
you said thank you for that. Thank you for that, Erica. Um, I do. I do try to do that. Now, on social media, you know, it used to be social. So, you know, it's yeah. the spaces that I create in person or even if it's, a, you know, coaching. We, 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 we really love to honor safe spaces and we make people vow and we outline mm -hmm. what safe really means. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everybody in the room and you have to you have to say that's what you're going to do, because if, if that's not what happens, then you will be held accountable for that. Mm -hmm. okay. um, and you said earlier that you thought that, you know, maybe a lot of people come at me or they don't agree with me. But for the most part, for the most part, people who don't agree still come at me in a space of I want to know or I just want you to hear me because I don't agree with you. And <laughs> it's OK. I hardly get a lot of a lot of ignorance every now and then when something looks like it's kind of mini viral a little bit like when i start getting people that comment that don't follow me i know mm -hmm. they don't follow me because the way that they comment they, the things that they say are very um they, they don't even make no sense they're not they don't even match the energy that i'm putting out because they don't know me so i don't spend a lot of time there but i really don't get a lot of super super aggression because i think that because instagram doesn't allow me to be viral <laughs> Doesn't allow me. <laughs> they only show it to the people who absolutely are aligned with what I said. Not totally agree, but they're there because they want my content. And so I've it's been fine now. See, if, if a whole bunch of negativity starts flocking to me in a minute, I'm gonna be like, see, you called that. <laughs> uh, you're not you're not gonna come back to us right. ever. <laughs> that podcast is bad juju. Stations. <laughs> I love people to challenge a thought and let's figure it out. I love that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, if you want to follow us on our social media journeys, uh, I am at Herrick's Hunter on all the things. I'm Erica the Redhead on all the things. And our podcast is at Break Room Banter Pod on all the things. If you want to find additional ways to support us, you can subscribe to our Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Break Room Banter Pod. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And make sure you go follow at Kia Artistically on everywhere right you're on it tiktok everywhere yep all right all kia artistically everywhere and until next time remember you always have a seat at our table bye bye, bye.